I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. He was born in 1943 in Topeka, Kansas. Father War says he started his ministry at a very early age, pretending to teach catechism to friends when he was only seven years old. Intrigued by the Franciscan message of compassion and universal acceptance, Richard left home to study at the seminary when he was just 14. He entered the Franciscan order and was ordained a Roman Catholic priest in his 20s. Inspired by the example of St. Francis of Assisi, who believed in a simple life, lived in harmony with all things, Father Rohr founded the Center for Action and Contemplation in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was in 1987. A much sought-after speaker who's traveled the world for more than 40 years, he continues to inspire readers with timeless wisdom through his writing, including his book, Immortal Diamond, The Search for Our True Self. Welcome, Thank Father you. Richard Thank Moore. You. Thank you so much. So you've been called one of the most influential spiritual teachers in the world. So many people are excited that we're seated together. But tell me, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as this great spiritual teacher? I can say this for sure, Oprah. I, I never intended this to happen. This was not my self-image. It just happened little by little that people responded so beautifully to what I was trying to say. And I took the next step and the next step, and now I end up doing this. Mm. <laughs> but I, when I was a young boy in Kansas, of all places, on the other side of the Wizard of Oz, I would have never thought I would write books someday. But I'm just grateful, I'm grateful. What is the immortal diamond? The immortal diamond is the soul. It's the true self. Yeah, it's, it's the indestructible part of the self. Isn't that interesting that the, the diamond is almost indestructible? So for me, when I knew I had to write this book, I knew that had to be the metaphor. So you believe within each of us there is, which I sense that too, there's a true self and a false self. And our goal in life is to follow the road, the path, the light to whatever is the true self. The true self. And how yeah. do we know which is what? The false self is the fabricated, concocted self that we have to do. It's not wrong. The false self is not bad. But it's your persona, it's your education, it's your race, it's your sexual orientation, it's your country, all of which are necessary to create a, an ego structure. Yeah. But it's not you. It's the, it's the <laughs> answer that people most often give when somebody says, who are you? Yeah. Or yeah. what do you do? Yeah. I am blah, 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 my I name, am, I do the so and so and so and so, my mother is so and so. And you're saying... Although, but in some ways that is a real self. It is. That's why I, I wanted to say it's not bad. You don't yeah. want to put it down. It's the raw material that you fall through to find your true self. And I like the word falling through. That you, you, don't, you don't create it. it it's, al it's already there. You know? It's why most religion called it the soul. Yes. You know, it's already there. Yeah. <laughs> so the soul is? The soul is... Uh, who, well, the, let's quote the Zen masters, if okay. you don't mind. The face you had before you were born. Your, your inherent self, your authentic self, 
It's not your psychological self, you see? We're so psychological. Oh, I love that. I got to sit with that for a moment. That's, that, deserves a, that deserves a tea and a tweet up. It's the it's, face you had before you were born. Yeah. So the psychological self is created. And again, I don't want to say that's bad. No. But go back before, like before I was a priest, before I was a Franciscan, before I had white skin, before I, you know, was an American. That all those it, labels, all those are labels. That's exactly the right word, but that's not your true identity. Now I'm going to use religious language in God. In God is who you were from the moment of your conception. That's your inherent dignity that no one can give to you and no one can take from okay, you. Okay, so tell me what you are talking about when you're talking about God. God is, is God Franciscan? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I hope is, he likes us, but <laughs> is God Catholic? Is God when and God you, isn't he? he and, and God uh, isn't even a he. That's right. Yeah. Okay, God so, is more of an it. Let's try this. God is more a verb than a noun. Does that help? It, 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 it's it, there's a dynamism that connects everything, that fills everything, and makes it connect with everything else. That's why we called it the Holy Spirit. Yes. God isn't a being as much as God is being itself. And I don't mean to be overly abstract when I say that, but being itself means the ground of being, that which substantiates everything and fills everything. Oh, I got that. And connects everything. Okay, so I'm just gonna repeat it. God isn't a being as much as God is being itself. Self. It's the grounding of all being. That's it, that's it, yes. yes. I got that. And, uh, and that you can only see that well, if you realize that it's all one, it's all connected. Yeah. You know, it's all the same. There are times here when I'm walking around in the morning or in moments of, you know, just solitude where I can feel and see that, where every single thing is connected, where it's just like all kind of like vibrating and you can feel that vibration. So the false self, isn't our true identity. Our true identity is... Is who we are in God. And in who, that being, yes, in that in, grounded being. In that foundational being. being. Yeah. And that no one can give to you and no one can take away from you. So is the true self the same as our soul? 90%. And let me tell you why I can't say 100%. Okay. Because the true self includes embodiment. Right. So therefore, there is a physical, material, emotional, sexual, use any of those words, element to the true self. Now that's, that's revolutionary for a lot of dualistic Christians yeah. who think that soul is entirely a spiritual notion and has no physicality to it. But I think your and my embodiment and our struggles with it mm -hmm. also lead us to God. So the true self includes body. Okay. So how do we, this is what's wonderful about the Immortal Diamond, how do we get to cultivate and continuously live in the space of the true self? Because, you know, when you just said that a moment ago, I had a little aha. I mean, it's like Maya said to me many years ago when she first said the word, she was talking to a pastor who said, repeat, God loves me and that she kept saying it, and the very notion that this all-encompassing, indescribable, omnipotent, mystical power loves me. So when you said a moment ago 
that God isn't a being as much as the grounding being of itself being, or the ground of being. And that yeah. our goal here as human beings is to realize that that is the source from which we also are grounded. If you really recognize that all the time, there would be no reason to be afraid. Yeah, you don't live out of fear anymore. You live out of connection. So are you living that? I mean, as a... On my better days and my better moments, I don't think any of us can sustain it 24 hours a day. I, I, isn't it you true know? that being human means we, we can't sustain it? I, I don't think we can, you know? I remember listening to your series with one of my heroes, Eckhart Tolle, and how he and you even said there, even this living in the now, as much as we try to do it, you can't do it every waking hour, you know? Yes. Are you constantly trying to get there yourself or do you feel like you live what you teach? No, I only live what I teach some hours of the day. Because mm -hmm. into my head come feelings of hurt, offended ego moments. Mm -hmm. No, I don't let hold on to it so yeah, much yeah, anymore. Yeah. I, I can let it slide off my back. But I have to admit, it's this struggle with the false self uh -huh. that reveals to you your true self. Yeah. I wanted to just read... I love the Kindle. Do you read from oh, Kindle? Or... I do, yeah. Uh, success is hardly ever your true self. That's right. Only your early window dressing. That's right. It gives you some momentum for the journey, but it is never the real goal. Now, this is, this is, in this country? I know, I know. In our culture? Talk about countercultural. Counter, <laughs> we're, we're all I trying know. to be I successful. Know. I know. And you say success is hardly ever your true self, only your early window dressing. When, yeah, it, it's a person. I had to think about that for a while. Is, <laughs> is that always the truth? Yes, because the only real success is the success that is inherent. Your DNA is divine, and that is the ultimate success that levels the playing field of reality, which means that a, a man in Africa, a woman in Estonia, we're all the same. And that dignity cannot be given or taken away. It's given to you by God. And that's why no one can destroy your dignity. Now, I don't think we've taught that very well as Christians, you know. We still have been inside of the success game too. Of, you know, if you were more moral, if you went to church more, if you read the Bible more. So we created our own success system that still appealed to the ego. Okay. I'm just going to read that again because <laughs> success is hardly ever your true self. Only your early window dressing gives you some momentum for the journey, but it's never the real goal. So the real goal is, okay, let me finish this. You do not know that. However, in the moment, it just feels right and good and necessary. Yeah, success yeah. feels really good yeah. and is for a short while. It doesn't teach you anything. Everything meaningful. I'm going to say up to the age of 30, you need some successes to create your ego structure. But it's an arbitrary number. But yeah. after 30, everything I've learned has been from humiliation, sin, failure, rejection, betrayal. Yeah. Though that's The difficult times teach you so much. That's when my soul expands. Now, I don't like it, and I don't know it till afterwards, too. You know, you want to get rid of it, but then... Two days later, in the surrendering, the accepting, the seeing, I realize I'm larger. I'm larger. I think what you're saying is some of what 
uh, Gary Zukav has said here before when he talks about authentic power. And he says that when the personality serves the energy of the soul, then that's authentic empowerment. And that authentic empowerment is that which is yours, which no one can take away. No one. Or give to you. Or give to you. Because you got it. Because you got it. <laughs> you got it. And so if you're relying uh -huh. on your beauty or relying right. on right. your right. your yeah. athleticism or mm -hmm. you're relying on your, you know, square footage. All your, of that is going to die. All of that is going to die or <laughs> yeah, go away. Yeah. That's right. That's at some point. How do we continually call, how do we get to that true self? That's the goal. I want to be in that it's, space. <laughs> I think you are, but none of us are 24 hours a day. <laughs> It's largely a matter of letting go of the false self. Like, like, let's say someone doesn't kiss up to me and call me father or respect my importance or my intelligence. Or the now, fact that you've written 30 books. Yeah, or, yeah. So I'm offended for, you know, how many seconds? I don't know. But then I say, now, what part of you, Richard, was offended? You know, it's always the false self. The true self can't be offended. It can't, there's nothing to offend. It's, it's too large, it's too grounded, it's too real. So when it, that's my simple rule of thumb, Oprah, how to recognize the false self. Whenever you take offense, uh. whenever you take offense, you're living at that moment in your, now it still hurts for a few minutes, but once you go back to who you are hidden with Christ in God, as Paul would say, mm -hmm. uh, it, nothing can hurt you. Yeah, so it's like in that moment where you say, so-and-so, like they dissed me or dissed disrespected me, me or yeah. weren't giving me my props or whatever. That's always the false. Always. Always the false. Self. I'm going to make an absolute statement. It's always mm -hmm. the false. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It, you're, you're hurt, but it is the false self that was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And so many people become obsessed with this whole idea of perfection, which is also in many ways seeking the false self, right? Perfection is a mathematical concept. It's not a human concept. Humans are inherently imperfect. And that's what God loves, which is the good news, you know, that God has chosen. Because you wouldn't be here as a human being if you were perfect. That's right. Because this isn't the perfect this, planet. No, it is. <laughs> it is the suffering on this earth mm -hmm. right now, today. Mm -hmm. And it breaks our hearts. But what, what can we do about it? We can't resolve it totally. We can stand for a truth that opposes it or, or would seek to relieve it, but we live in an imperfect world and it, it breaks our hearts every day. Yeah. What really breaks your heart when you turn on the news? What is the thing that, there's a, there's a consistent theme that comes. Powerless people yeah. who've never been able to experience their power. You know, you and I were given such opportunities too and there's so many people who've tried, they, they accepted what life handed them, but never had a chance, you know, never had a chance. It's so wrong the way so many people have to live their lives. But isn't the reason why, um, Sister Joan was here the other day, and she, yes, was, saying, yeah. she was saying that, uh, some of the same things you're, you're saying, but that we, we as a species have everything we need. Isn't the reason people suffer is because we let them? Yes. I mean, well put. That we are complicit in this yes. human tragedy. Yes. 
We are, yeah. We are humans letting other humans suffer. Contribute to it. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I know we're tired of the word and we push back, but that's why the biblical tradition used the word sin, that we are complicit in the suffering of the world. You're right. So tell me this. You, um, you say that what our false self fears more than anything is change. And you write that whether human beings admit it or not, we're all in love with, even addicted to, the status quo and the past, even when it's killing us. You know, Pope Francis, who is obviously a hero of mine, uh, he says the church is not an antiquarian society. And I look at the history of Christianity, so much of it has been a love affair with the past, with keeping things like they used to be, you know? Mm -hmm. What you see in the Gospels is, you know, Jesus moving ahead into history. God's in love with the future. Not that God doesn't forgive and love the past, but that, that in the name of Jesus, at least, a religion was created that was so afraid of the future. Just astounds me, you know? When... (laughs) God when he was future, not, when he himself was so futuristic, is future. That's yeah. right. Why do we fear change so much? Because it asks us to let go, mm. and we're not good at letting go. Mm. We we yeah we're we're good at holding on, and not only are we good at holding on, but we we can show this, and I've seen it in myself. We hold on to the negative. Do you know it's hard to hold on to joy, but resentment. Hurt. You can just you can just live in it, wallow, make yourself you, a little little home, and have a tea party for years. <laughs> for years. I mean, how many people don't we both know? Yes. That just this is their whole identity, victimhood. Yes. Or, and it's like, oh, come on. Now, when you don't need to play the victim or create victims, you're free, and that is the freedom I I hope for. I hope I can live that I don't need to blame another group or another race or another religion or another country. It's such a waste of energy, you know, this blame game. I know. Of thinking that other people have to be victimized or uh, demoted so I can be promoted, you know? Well, anytime (laughs) you're in that space, you're operating out of the false self. You got it, you got it. Okay, so you say that moving beyond the false self requires a kind of dying. Literally, right. Unlearning and dying. Unlearning and dying. Yeah. And by dying, you mean? I don't just mean the final physical dying. Any time where I have to let go of my present construct, my success project, as Thomas Merton called it. Oh, love Thomas Merton. Oh, he's one of my great teachers. Yes. Uh, We each create our private salvation project, our private what will make me wonderful, what will make me look beautiful and and be admired. Every time you have to let go of that in its present form and reshape it, it's dying. It's, darn, I based my life on that, you know? I based my life on looking good or being a priest or whatever. Or being married, and now that's falling apart. I have a friend who's going through divorce who, who, and I said, you have to relearn a new normal. You have to, it, you know, Excellent. it doesn't mean it's it's relearning a new normal. Yeah, but the old normal has to fall apart. That's done. That's right. And you never go there voluntarily. You fall. This is a psychological That's, dying we're talking about. Yes, yes, it will be experienced psychologically. Yes. That's right. 
That's yeah. right. But so, so this happens to people. When you go through a divorce and at first you are fighting, fighting it, and you think it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you, yes. and then you come out the other side of it and you feel a greater sense of freedom and, a cl and closer to your true self. Might take you five years to get there. Might take you But you five wake up one day and say, my God, this is much better. Or you lose your job. <laughs> yeah, lose your job or, or you lose your, your reputation or, you or your money yeah. or your child dies. You know, all of those immense tragedies. Yeah, that's the way the self expands. I, I'm sorry to say it's true, but it's true. Why can't it just expand <laughs> I know, half I the know, time? I know, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask God this. Why? <laughs> Please, why? would you have a conversation <laughs> why? with God and say, why? why can't we just learn through the happiest times, yeah. God? I, I don't know why God shaped the world this way. But all the spiritual masters I've read and studied would say this, you know. Even Buddhism, the Buddha says, you know, uh, life is about suffering. <laughs> it's yeah. all what you do with suffering. If you don't transform your suffering, Oprah, I always say you will transmit it. With 100% certitude, you will transmit your suffering to your family, your neighbors, your country, yeah. If you don't transform it. If you don't transform it. And define suffering. Okay, I've got a definition. Good. You suffer whenever you're not in control. Yeah. It like at a stop sign that seems interminable. You're suffering. You know, that just come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I want it to change. And uh, I that it's those little sufferings that have taught me the meaning of suffering. Right now I'm not in control, I'm not getting what I want and I'm upset. Now, if I can learn right now that it's still okay, I can still be happy, even though I'm not getting my own way. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I find freedom. It's the only way I can find freedom. One of the things that I learned from Eckhart Tolle that comes, mm. resonates with me so deeply, he was saying, all stress is created by wanting something, the what is to be what it is not. But, yeah. That if you can just be in the present moment and accept Acknowledge what is, I'm at the stop sign, it's the, the red light, it's not changing, and be with that. Mm -hmm. Immediately you can find some it, level can. of contentment. Some level of true self. Yeah, of true self. The true self can be content right there. Yeah. I think it's interesting how you describe uh, love or falling in love, being in love, true love, as a death of the false self. It actually is. Because we all fall, love to fall in love. Yeah. But to fall in love, you have to take the risk of changing yourself for this person. And you have to let go. You have to. You have to. And that's why a lot of relationships don't last, because you have to let go of who you thought you were before you loved that person. They're, you're giving them power to change you. If you don't give your friend, your partner, power to change you, I don't think you love them. <laughs> you know, And, and the, your unconscious knows that. Your soul knows that. Yeah. Once you've been able to give yourself over to that other person, does that mean you actually get to become more of your true self, who you were meant to be? If that other person is growing up too, 
Do you understand? It, yeah. yeah. If it's mutual. If it's mutual. If, yeah. if it isn't mutual, uh, I've seen marriages pull people down, down into smaller cells. Which is what Gary Zukov calls yeah. spiritual partnership is a partnership between equals. Equals. Partners. Yeah. Partners mm -hmm. for the purpose of spiritual growth. You got to have somebody. I would agree. I would right? Agree. Would you agree? Yeah, you got to have somebody much. who wants you to grow. To grow to your fullest self. To your fullest to self. who you really are. And if you don't have that, I have seen people become smaller after marriage. That it's like egotism between two and they say, let's just live behind the white picket fence and, and you take care of me and I'll take care of you. And this is not enough. Not this enough. No, it's a, a good start. You deserve your honeymoon period. But love has to expand. It always has to expand. Mm -hmm. Do you sense this yearning of the souls in the world, yearning for something more? I think a lot of people aren't in touch with that yearning. They're not aware that, that they're longing for something more, I think. Don't we come in longing? Because don't we miss God? I, I deeply believe that, that all spiritual knowledge is not cognition, it's recognition. You're, you're re-knowing what you deeply already knew. Yeah. What, what you deeply intuited, suspected, desired, hoped for, that's the soul. Yeah, because don't we come in knowing? Isn't it Immortal Diamond where you tell the story of the little boy? Can you tell us that story? Yeah, that this family had a little boy who was about three or four. They come home with another little baby boy. Yeah. And the three or four-year-old said, I want to talk to my little brother. And they said, oh, go ahead, you can. And he said, I want to talk to him alone, which surprised them. And so they shut the door and they cupped their ears to the door to listen. And this is apparently what the little boy said. Quick, quick, tell me who made you. Tell me where you came from. I'm beginning to forget. And, you know, <laughs> could this be true that we know at the beginning... Mm -hmm. And we get caught up in all the complexities, personas, struggles of life, and we forget it. But our heart of hearts knows. 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 Yeah. So is in this quest, like everybody's looking to find themselves when there's really nothing to find. It's all really <laughs> within. True. But is the finding of the true self the same as finding God? Experientially, yes. The discovery of myself and the discovery of God will eventually be parallel movements. Well, initially, too. That you fall into one and you fall into the other. You fall deeper into yourself, you fall deeper into God. You fall deeper into God, you have permission to fall deeper into yourself, even warts and all, you know. So they sort of play back and forth. When did you first come to know your true self? Well, I wouldn't have called it that. I didn't know that's what I was experiencing. Yeah. But I can remember, maybe I'm five years old, uh, the family's in the kitchen. It's, it's either Christmas Eve or a couple days before the Christmas tree is all lit. I'm standing alone as a little boy looking at the, the Christmas tree. And I remember just being absolutely certain that life was good and I was good and everything was beautiful. That's probably why I became a priest, because the spiritual world from that day forward was real to me. You know, it wasn't just a belief system. I knew it. I knew that 
that there was something beyond the visible and that that was the real. Yeah. But that, I, I want to say strongly, that's not the only path. I, I, I was a jail chaplain for 14 years in New Mexico and no one came that way. You know, they came through hitting the bottom for the most part and so longing for God, for grace, for love, for forgiveness, for release from self-hatred that uh, they met God out of desperation. But it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because the path says, yeah. doesn't matter, doesn't matter as least. long as you come to it. To the moment of communion. To the moment of communion. There you go, yeah, yeah. What is your personal soul practice? What is your personal practice for keeping yourself in that space of being? You know, for the last 15 years, the Franciscans have allowed me to live in a little hermitage, a small house behind the Franciscan community in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And uh, I try to preserve good chunks of silence. If I can do that and learn how to rest there, it is a resting then I have to use that as a touchstone all day. Can I get back to that place of who I am in God, apart from my role, my success, my title, my authorship, or all of those things. Those are gonna pass. And silence is, is the one spiritual discipline that is found in all of the world religions at the higher levels, mm -hmm. some degree of silence. And that would be my practice, finding inner silence and then honoring the silence that's really around everything. What's the difference between religion and spirituality for you? Spirituality is when you're personally, subjectively on the journey. Mm -hmm. It's not just, I, I believe it because I was told to believe it. I believe it because the Bible says I should believe it. It's not church knowledge, it's not theological knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. So when you move to the experiential level, that's when you can talk about spirituality. What's interesting, Sister Joan uh, was saying that, she, that religion is pointing to the moon. It's the way yeah. to. Perfect. It's the way to. But it's not the moon. It's not the yeah, moon. She's right. She's pointing right. to the yeah. moon, yeah. not the moon. I've read, read in Immortal Diamond where you said that the role of religion isn't so that we can believe things but it's so that we can know things. For ourselves. For ourselves. Yeah. You know, maybe you saw that film of Carl Jung as an old, he was the Swiss psychologist, and they asked him once with a microphone, do you believe in God? And his face gets sort of strange. Believe? Believe? No, I don't believe. And he said it so humbly, I know. Uh, it was just, I, I just wanted to cheer because yeah. that, that's what I would like to say. Yeah. I, 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 I do say that. Somebody <laughs> was challenging he, me on Twitter uh -huh. uh, not too long ago about, Oprah, are you always trying to get people to believe in God, which I'm really not. You're not. I'm really not. You, don't need, you can't said, do that. You, you can't, can't do it because I know uh -uh, I can't. Uh -uh, so my uh -uh. thing is, I, said, I think I tweeted back, you don't need to believe in God. It's just there to experience. There's nothing for God yeah. to believe in God. Yeah. Really? Yeah, there's, I mean, you and I both know people who believe in God. Yeah. And are the most racist, the most bigoted, the most, and they believe in God. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't impress me anymore. It just doesn't. No, know? doesn't. Religion is one of the safest places to hide from God. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, you know? But that's why Jesus is so lethal to the high priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the elders of the law. 
It's almost like he's revealing the danger of religion without throwing it out. Now that's non-dual thinking, you yes. see? Yes. Without, I'm not throwing it out, yes. but you better be aware. Yeah. I've been a priest 44 years. Religion is the best thing in the world and it's the worst thing in the world. An egocentric person who wants to feel separate and superior. And that's what the ego always wants. Mm -hmm. The ego always wants to feel separate and superior. You know, the best way to feel separate is to get God as your little commodity in mm -hmm. your pocket, you mm -hmm. know? God, so I use God so I can feel superior. So religion at that level ends up being more a part of the problem than the solution. Mm -hmm. And we've both seen that. It's, well, you uh, are, listen, I have never heard a person of the cloth, a religious person, say that religion is both the best thing and the worst thing it in the is. world. Yeah. It is. It is. And I'm, yeah, I'm supposed to be a company man. I'm, I'm <laughs> an or, and I, I, you know, uh, but that's why Francis didn't want us ordained priests, you know, yeah. because he knew once you're ordained, you've got to speak the party line. And sometimes the party line is more about holding the party together yeah. than it is about proclaiming the truth. Yeah. And that's just... I think, true. <laughs> okay. On page 125, you write, our true self remains untouched for most of us yeah. because any direct experience of God or explicit union with God was blocked, denied, and largely declared impossible. It always had to be mediated by a Bible, a priest, a minister, a church, or sacrament. And very often, the mediators and the defending of their mediations became the primary message itself. Yeah. Ah. Darn, it's just so true. The, uh, you know, I'm gonna get back to Pope Francis, you know, that he wants to be so simple and so ordinary. He's making us aware to dress up in all this stuff and have titles and thrones and, and special hats. <laughs> Would Jesus have worn one of those? I know. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, and yet you can't let yourself get hateful or angry at that or you'll become a mirror image of it yourself. But still, to be able to laugh at it a little bit is almost necessary to get free from it, you know? To laugh at the silliness of human pretense. So what is the message you most want to convey? I'm gonna say it in a phrase that might sound too clever, but I do mean it. God doesn't love you because you're that good. Just get over that. It's not a worthiness contest. God loves you because God is good, right? God doesn't love you because you're that good. Because then we have to try to prove that we're worthy of it or we're good enough for it or we've deserved it. Or in competition for uh, yeah, yeah. if I do this much, if I give yeah, this much, yeah. if I do, yes. God loves you because God is good. Yeah. That's, that's the experience of radical grace. That's the experience of unconditional love that never stops giving. It never stops giving because once you know that, you're, you're sort of indestructible. You, you, what can defeat you henceforth? So all my books are an attempt to, to lead people to a personal experience of their divine nature. If I don't succeed at that, all the rest is straw, you know? What do you know for sure? I know that I'm an ordinary man and I know I've been given an extraordinary gift, and therefore I know God can give extraordinary gifts to anybody. I'm average intelligence. I am not that holy. I've made major mistakes in my life, and God has still used me. So that I know for sure. The, the connection between human imperfection 
and God's perfection. If you wanted to give me, our viewers, the ultimate advice in how to walk the path to your true self, you would say? Don't take your successes too seriously, but don't take your failures too, don't take yourself too seriously. See, it's this grabbing around identities, negative ones or overly positive ones that keep us from the true self. When we can be humble and poor, when we can be naked and empty, I hate to use such radical words, but that's why Jesus went into the desert for 40 days to get rid of persona. Yeah to get rid of words, to get rid of all these projected, Just I mean, you're like me. Strip himself down, yeah, yeah, yeah. People project onto you all kind of things that you know aren't true, right. and they do the same to me at a much lesser level, but people think I'm much more than I am. And when I stop believing that and stop hanging on to that, then I can rest in God and rest in Richard too, at the same moment. It's the same resting, yeah. You get it. I can tell. You know I get it. You know I get it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love it's it. great. Hey there, podcast listeners. I have exciting news. We're launching a brand new podcast in addition to Super Soul Conversations. It's called Oprah's Masterclass. The Masterclass podcast allows you to hear the greatest life lessons from some of the most respected and renowned actors, musicians, public figures, and athletes in their own words. Listen as Jay-Z, Justin Timberlake, Ellen DeGeneres, Shaquille O'Neal, Reba McIntyre, Dwayne Johnson, and Jane Fonda, just to name a few, share what they've learned about life and their own insights into their personal stories and challenges. I believe that there's something to be learned from every experience, and everyone can use their life as a class. Oprah's Masterclass podcast will be available July 19th on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe now and listen free. Go to applepodcast.com slash Oprah's Masterclass. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.